Double so what D, do you want to know? what's going on, my friend? It's good to see you. It's good to see you guys. It's been a while. I like how Steve, you've made you've made fun of me for saying what's going on, but that is slowly becoming your own catchphrase. <laughs> it is. It is. <laughs> and he says it like it's funny because the last two, the last two or three weeks, he says it, and he's trying to get a rise out of me when he says it, and actually, I don't do anything. <laughs> I know, actually. So, well, there's a certain cadence to how Ethan does it when he joins, and he sees you, because it has to be in this very monotone. What's going on? Yep. And then when you ask him, what's going on? He says, not much. <laughs> Sounds like my son. Or nothing much, yeah. Dean, what are we talking about tonight? I was thinking of a couple topics today because there's a lot going on in my life. Um, Home-wise and professionally and spiritually. Um, <laughs> But uh, one thing that I'm sure we can all relate to because we deal with it at work with people, any job really, is self-awareness. <laughs> and my lack thereof. Well, and everybody, some people lack it, some people have it. How do you develop it? Um, what characteristics make it successful? I, I am finding that there's I can really notice the people that have no self-awareness. Um, yep. You know, and and I think because I noticed them having no self-awareness, it makes me have more self-awareness. Because I'm like, do I do that? Am I like that? Do I come off that way to people? You know what I mean? That's kind of the way I, you think. So that's, I don't know. That's just I would. It's a topic I thought would be interesting to discuss. Like, what do you guys? How often do you run into people that have good or bad self-awareness? Oh, I mean, it's mostly no self-awareness. Mostly. I mean, I can think of I would like agree. 25 people that we all know that have no self-awareness. Right. <laughs> I would agree. And those that do, it's so incredibly refreshing when they're like, now... There's also the other end of the spectrum, right? Where they have so much self-awareness that they have imposter syndrome. Like, <laughs> like, like you are just talking about it where you're like, do I do that? No, yeah, yeah. you do not. Yeah, right. Stop having imposter syndrome right now. <laughs> well, I, okay. So define imposter syndrome to me because this is a new term. So I want to make sure I understand it. Uh, that's the, you do something really well, but you always question whether you do it well or not. Okay. So it's insecurity basically it could it's, be it's like you're like you feel been, like you feel like I've you're been, faking it like you're not actually good at it because i've been told i have imposter syndrome about something in the gaming world oh which gaming world oh <laughs> dming shameless self-plug <laughs> in, in dming i was always asking my my group of players hey how are things going i was always asking for feedback you know i i don't know how this is going and one guy was just like dude you have imposter syndrome <laughs> you know you're worried too much about this and i think you worry about it sometimes dean where sometimes right. you have asked me and i think you did that this week yeah where you were like man I, I don't know if I'm going to get fired for this or not. And I about an email and I go back and I read the email because I hadn't seen it yet. And I read the email and it's like perfectly crafted. It's like, hey, you know, how are we going to do this? Yeah, it was. So oh, yeah. But OK, so maybe that's OK. So now that's that's I'm glad you brought that up because sometimes I think like that when I said I'm going to get fired for this. Yeah, I was joking, <laughs> you know, but, but in the same breath, you know, maybe, maybe it's 80% joking and 20%. Well, you never know. There might be a little silver truth. Yeah, I think, that, I think you 20% know. you were like, I wonder how this is going to be taken. And right, I, yeah, a little bit, like, a little bit. I'm like, yeah. if I had read this, I'd be like, oh, maybe I need to rethink what I'm doing here. Uh, yeah. You know, I would, I would not or never have taken it as, as. Well, but I also wouldn't have hit send if there was any real risk to that, or if I cared. True. You know what I mean? Like sometimes you're just like, okay, this could be detrimental to my career, but I gotta say it anyway. 
I, I, sure. I, I if I don't speak up, this is not going to change. Right. Career be damned. You know, <laughs> but but you you you, you do temper that. Um, so I, I I'm glad you guys told me what imposter syndrome is, because I I really take self improvement extremely seriously. And I believe that I am a work in progress and always will be till the day that I die, um, that there's always room for improvement. We are, we are imperfect beings, us humans, right? And I strive for perfection, even though I know I'm never gonna get it, right? That being said, a part of continuous improvement to me is to have that feedback loop to make sure, okay, I gotta ask myself, am I doing this well? How do I do that? I gotta get that. I got to get that opinion from an outsider because otherwise I don't have, I, I, I can't just count on myself to give me an objective opinion on that. Right. I, I mean, I, at my age, I'm starting to realize what my flaws are. Right. And I also know that I also can't control all of my flaws a hundred percent of the time. It's more part of my persona at work, right. Um, <laughs> that I try to control certain things and not let them show at work. And at home, I let them out a little bit more because, okay, these are people that have to live with me anyway and need me for support. So they're gonna give me a little bit of benefit of the doubt when I when I break down or when I do something that's, you know, may I let my temper go a little bit. It's not horrible, but you know, enough that I'm like, okay, yeah, that's just dad, you know. Um, so I think Imposter syndrome is interesting. It's maybe it's a, you might be pointing to someone though, who's always needy, always needing self-validation. And there's that fine line between, hey, I want feedback so I can improve. And God, you have no self-confidence whatsoever. <laughs> or you're trolling for compliments all the time. You know, you got to find that balance in there. Well, so and that's it's like a, I mean that when you always need feedback, that's like a, People, some people that's how they that's how they get motivated i wouldn't okay. even i wouldn't even call that part of imposter syndrome okay um because i've known a couple people that were like that and then it's funny to watch like people who motivate employees that way or other people that way right and do it it's it's just it's wild right because it's like it's like an addiction to both yeah. of them <laughs> yes right so self-awareness is more it's less about asking for feedback and more like being to me it's like recognizing how you may come across to other people right. or um definitely you know was i this way like can i see how somebody would have taken this the wrong way something like that right because and i like we've talked about this before steve and i about self-awareness and it's just like can you just imagine thinking that you're batting a thousand for like two decades like that's to me people who have no self-awareness that's what they are they're just like i am crushing it every single day year after year after year <laughs> i can't imagine thinking that <laughs> i think people that are hypocrites when you can notice their hypocrisy lack self-awareness you know I, I mean there's people that we know that you know, they'll say one thing out of one side of their mouth and then go do that exact thing, same thing that they say is the wrong thing to do. And then that's just a pointer to me that that hypocrisy there just shows, okay, you, you don't have self-awareness. You don't. Um, that's a good distinction that you draw out there, Ethan, though, is that self-awareness is really about the self. The feedback loop might help build your self-awareness, but it's not the self-awareness itself. Right. It's yeah. Yeah. You either have self-awareness or you don't. Right. And maybe there's some things you're not sure on, but you build that probably through some feedback through trusted sources. Of course, you know, there's certain people I'm not going to go say, Hey, did I do that? Right. And then there's other people I can say, Hey, what did I come across this way? And I trust them to give me an honest answer because I know also they're not going to sugarcoat me and coat it to me and say, Oh no, you are great. You know, and in the background they're saying, that was horrible. That was a train wreck. You know, there's, it's people that I trust to give me an honest opinion and, and some criticism constructively. I think self-awareness, like that's what allows you to 
take criticism and do something with it and actually like hear and see because that's the other thing i think these people that don't have self-awareness they just suffer from paradigm paralysis and their paradigm just happens to be that they're awesome and they can't physically see or hear any information you know that says otherwise is what it is so even if you give them criticism um they what's really funny is when they criticize themselves but they, they don't even know like they can't they have so little self-awareness that they'll say something and it's like yeah that was like really a dig on you i i was talking to someone this week about self-awareness somebody who is extremely self-aware who is as to it wasn't you however it is somebody that uh i would use a term that you often use which is a servant leader this is somebody who is a servant leader like hey i'm in this role to play this function because i think i do it well and i can help my team okay and i was making the comment that that is very rare in america middle management I think servant leaders are rare and for a number of reasons. One, I theorize that many people who are servant leaders don't like to be in mental management because it tends to be a, a, an area where they are not among, they're not among people that are like them. Because many people that gravitate into mental management, and right now I'm having mental managers everywhere going, what, what am I? Um, but a lot of mental managers get there because they they want to be upwardly mobile. They want the management position and they want to dictate things because they think they know everything. And they tell people what to do and they're very, very comfortable in that role and they love it and it's great. Hey, I get to tell people what to do and I'm in this position of power. But they have absolutely no self-awareness that sometimes they're very destructive. Oh, they never, they never know that. Right. They, they're, they're, they don't have the self-awareness. They don't know. And I was telling this person, I said, many people lack in, in management, lack self-awareness. And I'm not saying that's the only demographic. It's just, that's where I see it a lot. And I said, and you can't train self-awareness. And this person's response was classic. This person said, that sort of is counter counterintuitive that you would need training for self-awareness right i don't I think, think you a, can i, think I don't think skill. you can train that i don't think you I don't, okay you that's a great it? question because i was going to ask that do you think that it's something that you're born with or that you learn i think it's something that you can learn can you learn it from anyone else it depends that's the whole education like quandary which is are you in the mind space or the head space to be able to learn something? I think the, it's sort of like, I think I've talked about this before. Uh, when I went to school and I did the personality, uh, personality part of one of the classes that I was in, I know I'm the only one that took what I took away from that class, which was the point of that particular piece. The point was to not understand your own personality it's to understand how to work with people who have other personalities and other communication styles there were like 20 of us we all went through the same coursework i know i'm the only one that took that away because i was the only one that was like wanting to do that like i was the only one that was paying attention so and that's been one of the things about you know teaching professionals is I mean you guys have been through like scrum certifications and you know they're not some people are there not taking anything away they're not learning anything in those courses but then there are some like if you go to your first one and you do CSM or something like that and it's like this whole new abstract way of thinking like it's an introduction and you're like oh my gosh my mind is expanded taking some mushrooms or something right um, self-awareness I mean it could be but I don't I think it would be very difficult because I think a lot of people don't necessarily like to look inward but I think it's a skill that a lot of people have like we've talked I think the three of us have it 
we've talked about it how you feel sometimes you feel like really good you're like i am crushing it and then like it feels like the next day you're like i fucking suck at my job (laughs) so that is exactly how i feel is i feel i go through this curve of I, I learn a bunch, I get really super confident and I get overconfident and then something happens where I'm like, okay, I don't know, I don't know squat about this. And it takes me down and I have to like, oh, I, I need to be a little bit more humble about this. And so I, I think I go through a cycle of being self-aware and not being self-aware. I think just having that cycle is self-awareness. I think you're self-aware while you think you're doing really good. Like, I don't think that... I think maybe that's the imposter syndrome creeping in a little bit, where you're just like all of a sudden... Because we've talked about this, so I know you feel like this, where it's just like some days you're just... You're like, I'm an expert at this thing. I've been doing it for this long. And then other days you're like, I don't think I know anything. (laughs) It's so weird. Yep. I think it could be. I think it could be taught. Have we successfully derailed your topic of self-awareness, or would you oh, like no, to interject here? You're right on. I think you're right on. I mean, this is good stuff. Because um, that was my specific question. I, I think a case could be made that it's actually a little of both. You know what I mean? That there are some people that have more traits that allow them to be self-aware that allow them to learn self-awareness. I mean, some people are just cocky. You ever you ever meet someone who's just cocky and they've been cocky their whole life and they always will be cocky. Truly, the only way that they're going to not be cocky is if someone takes them down a peg. They have to have a massive failure, right? That's but where I think, that's, that's what I think differentiates those people that don't have self-awareness that do is because they get take down a peg and they don't think that they got taken down a peg. Like they- right, right. They don't even Well, they understand. couldn't possibly blame it on themselves. Right, right. <laughs> you know, I, or, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I coach kids in a sport. And there's a select few number of kids that after every game is blaming the ref. Oh, the refs were horrible. That's a, the refs lost this game for us. We lost by 28 points, guys. That ain't the refs. And I tell them, and, and, and there were games we just get crushed and that just happens. And I'm just like, when are you going to stop blaming other people and start looking inward? Right now, these are 12 year old kids. They don't, they don't have self-awareness. I think, I think if you do have self-awareness, it certainly doesn't start for a certain age. You got to wait till your brain brain is fully developed. And what do they say that is now 25, 26 years old or something like that. Some people might have it sooner and they mature faster, but, um, but I also think that sometimes it's learned because it takes an event. It takes some sort of shaming or humbling because humility is required for self-awareness. Humility is required, right? So it takes some sort of event that humbles you to realize, well, you know what? Maybe I don't know it all. They Maybe call them I... crucible moments. Yeah. Another great word, crucible moments. Imposter syndrome and crucible moments. I have. I'm going to write that down. I have two. <laughs> so, so I have a, I have a question about those who sort of refuse to get into that moment of self-awareness, and I'm wondering it. It's a theory. It's a working theory. Those who want to continue to believe that they are all that a bag of chips rarely step out of the areas in which they are an expert or, or you know, reason, have a reasonable set of knowledge because they're so, they want to be the expert. So they don't step into other areas because they don't want to be the non-expert, the non, they don't want to be told how it really works. And, and the reason I say that is I've seen this in our industry oftentimes, and it's usually, I would, I would offer it's usually men in their twenties, what I call the rutting season, 
where somebody new joins an organization and they feel they need to tell and show everyone the size of their antlers. So they will only talk about the technology they know. And if somebody says, oh, hey, but what about this other thing? Do you have any experience there? It is a, the, the next thing is a completely dismissive remark about that. Oh no, let me tell you about this stuff that I know. And let me focus the conversation on this thing in which I'm an expert. I've seen that. Yeah, I can agree with that. I, I think there's another case too, where some people that lack self-awareness um, aren't, aren't restricting themselves to just this area um but they pretend and quite frankly just bully their way through it right I, 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 that kind of gets to the cocky because i know i have a family member i'm not going to say what relation <laughs> that nothing's ever going wrong they always know everything about everything and 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 I don't know if it's that they truly don't have any self-awareness or they do they just don't want to admit it you know what I mean that that's not their persona use that word again that they use then maybe maybe on their own in their bedroom at home they're crying themselves to sleep every night and going through their list of faults I don't know I doubt that but but on the the surface they look like everything's gone perfectly and they're in charge and they are expert at everything um i think those are fewer than what you're talking about though steve i think there, i've seen more people like what you're talking about where it's they um they stay in their lane but they poo poo anything that's outside of their lane um at least that's my experience um, i let's see i see with our space specifically, so not like our industry, but our space specifically, because of the pragmatic way that you train those, I'm gonna air quote skills, cause they are skills, but a lot of these dopes don't get it and they're not actually doing anything. They think that they know. So, th and this is like for our stuff specifically. So they know the rules, but they don't understand the foundation they don't understand the principles to use it like the actual word um they don't understand how these processes came about because they don't un and so then they don't understand they don't know what to do when it breaks but they think that they know what to do and so in my experience it's which is why i've walked away from using like real specific terminology is because all they want to do is like quibble about terminology and i'm like i don't I don't, you can call it whatever you want. It's this, we're talking about the same thing. I don't care. Um, <clears throat> but it is irritating to kind of get into it with them. I've seen, I've worked with people that are on, we talked about teams the last two weeks, um, and I'm just killing Steve with my doubling down on the whole team thing sucks. But um, there are people that are on the team that are a threat to the team because of that and it's like they have no self-awareness that they have no clue that what they're talking about is wrong they think that they need to do i'm not sure they think they need to do everything they think they know everything even though they don't <laughs> so that, that begs the question what are the benefits of self-awareness and what are the repercussions of the lack thereof I think the repercussions are not for you. The repercussions are for everybody else. Cause like, you don't even know since you, since you don't know that you suck, like there's no skin off your back, but everybody else suffers. So the place that we were all at together, there's one particular person who was that middle layer who had no self-awareness about anything and made poor, poor decisions all the time and blew everything up and made everybody's life miserable all the time but they were not bothered by anything <laughs> and those of us that have self-awareness we don't put up with that stuff <laughs> okay. 
or we do put up with it and just suffer through it because you because you see it and you go oh my gosh i can't believe this is happening what but you have no power over it because you can't you can't train anybody to have it or i yeah i know exactly what you're talking about but i think i think everybody suffers around that but what are the benefits if you do have it like what would be if somebody doesn't have it and you said hey I don't know if you've noticed this. Let's say you were trying to train somebody. I'm, I'm playing devil's advocate here because I don't think it's trainable, but what if you did? How would you encourage someone to be more self-aware? How? What would be the carrot? I can't tell you the carrot, but I could tell you the stick. The stick is that we have to put you someplace where you're less harm to a team like you're on a different team or you're on support or something like that uh, I, I think in today's world where teams are becoming more and more important and highly functioning teams at that i mean there were days where people would just you'd be given a task and you would just go do and you'd come back and bring it back you know a generation ago um maybe even in more recent history and there still are roles like that but they're few at most companies right um I, I can think of one person at our current client steve that we often have to test their own stuff because no one else knows how to do it that is really in that role where they're a team of one right we also call them subject matter experts <laughs> right um you can have a perfectly functioning career doing that. It's just that means whenever there's a team aspect to it, you're left out. Um, and not everybody wants that. I, and let's be honest. There are some people that are curmudgeonly and really have no business being on a team because they're not a team player, right? Mm -hmm. But that means that you have pigeonholed yourself and you're not going to get growth opportunities, right? So maybe I've found the carrot and the carrot is that in order to get growth opportunities and, and opportunities to advance and gain new skills and be on cool stuff, you have to be a team player. You have to function well on a team because we're not going to have you be a crappy team player and then give you over into this other team that does something even more important and makes even more money and you poison that team. That's not how it works. That's a bad idea from a from a leadership perspective because why would we add someone who really does a good job but is gonna tank the whole team? I used to say this back when I was a manager. I said, I would much rather have a team of all C-level players than have one A player who makes everybody else feel like an F because it tanks the whole team. It demotivates everybody. Where I could take a team of C-level players and get them all working together and probably bring them all up to a B. You know, sometimes they drop, the other people pick them up. It, it, it raises the level of everybody. Mm -hmm. Collaboration. And and that does require pretty much everybody on that team to have some level of self-awareness. I mean, there's people that are really high on that, that scale, but then there's people that don't have any. And if you, at least if you have some, you know. So the teaching i wouldn't in my experience what i've done is not teach self-awareness directly like not say that you have to do this thing it's more working with them when you're in a leadership role and trying to figure out what their goals are and how you can help them achieve them um and yeah i've never i've worked with people that have self-awareness is issues but have never been like hey you need to like look at the way that you're coming across and I've never actually addressed it directly. It's um, more giving them a safe place and figuring out what their goals are, even if their goals are not where they're currently at, which is totally fine. But being that um, kind of kind of like turning into a friend, but more just supporting what it is they want to do um, has changed and has for some weird reason given them more self-awareness. I think the 360 review process is actually designed to try to give people self-awareness. It's just very few people take it that way. 
there's so many people that look at their reviews and say, oh, who said that? And who said that? And I know who said that. And ah, you know, versus, okay, it doesn't matter who said what. Someone perceived this. This is their perception. And you have to ask yourself, well, okay, is there a way that I could have done that or given someone the perception that I was doing that? If I do a little self-inventory and say, nah, that was a misinterpretation and I don't do this and this is someone with an axe to grind, then I'll do that. But but if I'm honest with, my, with myself and say, okay, well, this is something maybe I could work on, I'm probably giving someone a misperception. That's my self-awareness. But that's the end of the 360 review process, right? That should be the outcome for the person that's getting reviewed. Problem is a lot of managers don't want to give anybody negative feedback, you know, and people don't want to leave negative feedback. You know, even if it's worded as constructively as possible, people get offended. Well, that's so like you have self-awareness. So that's what you do with that information, right? right? It's like, I'm sure I do the same thing. Right. Steve, I'm sure you do the same thing. Like I purposely ask for people that I know maybe don't get along with me to see what their feedback is to be like, are they really out there in left field? Like, or do they have something constructive that like I can maybe change? Um, and yeah, if you get something that's negative, like you have to evaluate and usually not like right away. It's like usually a long period of time that you think about that and try and figure out, um, the, the other point that you made about, uh, taking someone that's crappy and putting them somewhere out and they shouldn't do that, but that's exactly what they do. That's exactly how it works. Like you mean in another team? Yeah, that's it. Like, and I think maybe Steve, we talked about this maybe two weeks ago where it's like, I've been at places where they're like, well, these two people work really well together. Let's split them up. And then by osmosis, they will make everybody better. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Have you ever thought that maybe they only work well together because they're together? And if you break it up, it's all going to fall apart. And they're like, oh no. I'm like, I would recommend you don't change anything. Yeah, they're thinking it works like a Breck commercial. And yeah. they tell two friends, and they tell two friends. And no, so on, and so on. Right. Yep. Yeah. We're going to multiply the goodness. No. <laughs> <laughs> you're breaking up the Beatles is what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah, and, and what's interesting about that is the, the people who come up with that decision, like, I don't know wh- what they know about, like, they know nothing about people. Nothing. And they shouldn't be in a position of management, of managing people, if they come up with that as the idea. They yeah. would be better off by trying, if they're trying to grow talent and grow great teams by putting people on with that team and then cycling them off. You know what I mean? Yeah. Hey, l- learn how to do it. Yeah. Mentorship. How are supposed to act? Yeah. And Steve, you mentioned factory. You mentioned earlier about you seeing a lot of people, at least in our industry, who are in that middle management space that are atrocious. That is not limited to our industry. That is like a trend right now for some reason, which is blowing my mind because it's just they're like the most toxic, uneducated, unqualified people that they have put and they're using tactics that millennials and Gen Z do not put up with. Like they they use the manipulation, you know, and it's really funny. So I'm a millennial and I'm over all that stuff. So I'm not going to put up with that crap anymore. And that's what I teach my kids who are Gen Z and Gen A. They're not going to put up with it. So my kid comes, they come home and tell me what's going on. I'm like, this is what they're doing. And this is how you combat that. Right. You put everything back on them. They're like, well, they made us sign that. I'm like, don't sign it. What are they going to do? Write you up? I would love to see that write up. You know? Well, they said it's because of this reason. Prove it. Show me where. Show me the documentation that says before you say anything. (laughs) It blows my mind. I think there's a reason why they do that. I have a friend with an experience kind of like that. He's a little older than his middle managers. Um... It's at a company that obviously shall not be named, but um, they're getting that direction from upper management. So upper management puts people in at the middle management level that they can control and manipulate. They might not be the most skilled people at that level that are really functioning outside of that level. So you can hold their feet to the fire and make them do what you want them to do because they don't really have the skills to go anywhere else. And they're beholden to you. They're yeah. your ally. 
promote them beyond their competence. And then now you have an ally for life as long as they're in that position. Yeah, that's it. That's exactly what it is, is it's toxic leadership that are putting these douchebags in place. Yeah. So this is one my favorite thing about how toxic this particular place is, which is not a place that I'm at, but it was um, one of these middle managers openly saying to employees, we can treat you like garbage because we pay you more than minimum wage like said out loud and i'm like are you serious like i'm like like i don't think i've ever met anybody that has that little skill who's in any kind of manager role wow (laughs) blows my mind but then the other thing is that's why there's this there's been the shift in professionals to say leadership rather than management which to me has devalued the word leadership entirely because of that also you like servant leadership i cringe at that i know that you guys are using it correctly, but it's like that word is like 10 years played out. <laughs> hey, sorry, sorry. If you go to dictionary.com, pal, the definitions are played out in about 30 seconds, man. So what you're saying is we need to pivot away from that term? <laughs> yeah, pivot. <laughs> yes, that was all the rage. 10, 20 years ago, servant leadership. But it's an actual thing, you know. Right? I, I'm very aware that it's an actual and there's thing. And yes, there's a, I mean, there's a real definition behind it, right? I know, yeah, I know exactly what it is. So what's the what new term term for it now, then? I don't think there is a term for it now. Oh, we I, just can't, I, I we just can't talk about it. <laughs> I think it's just that the people who aren't servant leaders are using the term. Yeah, people I, who aren't, because they say, I'm a servant leader. And it's like the, the golden rule, like, you can't, you can't say you're the thing because that automatic automatically makes you not yeah. the thing. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I agree with that. I am so humble. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a skit or something? I feel like that's a skit. Or we've we've talked about that at least once before. I'm the Probably. most humble. I'm the most humble person. That's given me 45 vibes. I gotta stop. That might be what I'm thinking of. <laughs> so why do you think they've drifted away from just using the term management and gone to leadership? Because I think management is like a, kind of like a derogatory. It's like an unskilled, unprofessional, you know, supervisor. Like negative connotations to it? Yeah, I think so. It's like used car salesmen or car salesmen. Like, you know, people don't, they, for a long time, they didn't want to be called that because it was... Yeah, bad. But there are people so who people are, are avoiding terms because of the the way the wind is blowing currently. I just didn't know if it was like, hey, well, I'm not really management. I'm higher up than that, you know, because management is technically a role, you know, um, and maybe a VP. Are they really management? No, I'm not managing people anymore. I'm on strategy, you know. You know, yeah. that type of thing, too, that it's beneath them to say that. And I think maybe the thing that bothers me about the overuse of leadership is that it's still within that formal hierarchy. Like, yeah. that's the only time it's ever used. Unless unless you are uh, have, like, two to five years of experience and have a master's and are applying for an entry-level job and you have to lead by without authority or whatever that nonsense is that people are talking about in jobs. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) That's out of PM school. Straight out of PM school. (laughs) PM school. Yeah, that's how I call it. Yeah, I remember that. It was the biggest downer you ever heard. Get a lead based on influence, not on authority. Oh, okay. That's really hard. It's really hard, you know? Or having all kinds of accountability with no authority. Nope. Okay. It's a, it's a very difficult position to be in, but plenty of people that do that. I feel like that's all I've ever done. Like, yeah. I feel like, I mean, that's what we do. I'm assuming I'm including you two in that one. I yeah, say I've role, ever done sure. too. Yeah. That's all that it is. Yeah. Agreed. But we're still killing it. Yeah. <laughs> Every day, <laughs> every every, every day, hour. or Living every other. <laughs> there is Living not a every... moment that passes where I am not killing it. Right, killing it with humility. 
<laughs> so what else about self-awareness? Trying to think. There was another point I had. I asked my asked my question. Hmm. I don't know. Is it an overhyped term? It's, I, don't, I don't think it is. I don't think it's overhyped, but what I think is there are certain organizations that that where the culture penalizes you for having it. Care to unpack that for us, Steve? Dude, I think it is rough to be an employee, period, right now. <laughs> like, I think everybody that's, like, line level, uh, so, like, anybody that's not in, like, middle management or management is just getting, it just seems like everybody's just getting railed right now. I say that based on an organization that I used to work for quite a few years ago, where if you were not actively being an ass to everybody and demanding top performance and demanding perfection you or if you weren't or the other thing is if you were just quiet you would be rewarded for those two behaviors quietly adhering to whatever was pushed at you or if you were actively being a demanding things, that was what was rewarded. So the people who were self-aware and like, nah, I think we should be doing it this way. This is gonna work better long-term for long-term success. No, that was, that was a recipe for you to be miserable and to be demoted and to be put in a corner. Like, hey, go over here. How long do you think it's been like that? And do you think that it has been consistently like that? In that organization, a very long time, based on what I knew. I was, wasn't there for more than five, six years. But from everything I heard from others, um, it was crazy. And like, uh, so there was a team of people brought in to help with this one product. And they basically, got enough people in the door, new people to kind of help with things. And they started bringing in others, recruiting others to help with this. And I was one of those recruited, hey, come in and help with this. And the culture breeded everyone that was brought in to leave, all gone within five years. And what I hear from the people that are still there that know enough they're like everyone is like oh my gosh what did we do we had such a great team when they were here and we didn't know it and but that's only because it just got worse when everybody left i was just gonna say it's actually amazing that they recognize that i feel like most places they, they wouldn't even they wouldn't even recognize that things were good well, then, I, I don't know that everybody recognizes it, but enough people were like, oh, shit, what did we do? Yeah. yeah. I, I was just wondering, because I, my naive mind tends to think that when economic times are good and the market is bad for employees, the treatment gets worse just because they can. Right. Where are you going to go? versus when it's really hard to get employees, they treat their employees better. Now, I don't know that that's how it's been flowing for a while, because I kind of felt like, I, I was you know, working in 08, 09, when they had that economic downturn, and the company I was at laid a bunch of people off, and that was when we heard all, hey, do more with less, and uh, we're at the new normal. Sound familiar? You know, all those buzzwords come out. Um, and but it seemed like we got out of that at least as for the industry that we're in um and it, it didn't seem to take a super long time before people could get there were more jobs right and in it uh, 
the space that we're in, Mark, um, <laughs> there, you know, that, um, that market has always been good, right? Even through economic downturns. Yeah. I think what we've seen is a, because I've lived, that one's the only one I lived through. I assume you guys may have lived through some other ones. I don't, you know, I can't remember when the big ones were before that, but. Back in 1944. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, like 08 to 11, to 11 or whatever. It's yeah. You know, it's funny because it's like, you know, millennials that are five years younger than me then experience that. Like, so, and that's where, you know, uh, like I went through, I went through that. We have, the three of us have because we had to deal with that where there are no jobs like that's exactly what happens yeah um this whole idea that you stay at a place forever is because that's what it was that's not the case anymore but now i think we're seeing uh i think for a little while maybe people were treated better and maybe like at the you know when the great resignation was taking place i think maybe people were being treated better but now what i think is happening is there are so many jobs that they're just not filling them and they're just making people do the work anyway and they're lowering salaries so now they're i mean what i've heard it's crazy i've heard that you know millennials and gen z with master's degrees you know being offered like 40k for like an entry-level role when they have like five years of experience like it's insane what some of these employers are doing um that's a it seems like there's maybe even certain industries where they do that. They're just like, yeah, we're not going to backfill it. And they don't care. Like it's, they don't care if there's one person that can do three people's job and then they leave because they may not backfill that person at all. Even though people would like to think, well, they're going to have to hire three people to backfill me. And if they would have just paid me the salary that I asked for, they would have gotten a better deal than having to, having to hire three people to do the job of, that I was doing. I don't necessarily know that that's happening all the time, though. Well, and, well, maybe what my question was more about is it cyclical or is this really evolution? That that's, it's going to continue to change in that direction. Hey, treat your employees poorer. We're going to automate stuff or we're just going to plain not do it or we're going to have people do more and if they get burned out, they get burned out. Let them go. It's you revolution, know. not evolution. I don't know. Well, see here. Evolution? Evolution stronger. That's what Riker said, right? This is evolution, not revolution, and no force in the universe can stop evolution. Is that what it was? That's the one where they crash-landed on the one where all the women were big and all the men were small, and there was like... Uh, <laughs> this like there was this this like next shuttle generation yes. now? Oh yeah, my this, god, that was shuttle, I didn't even catch that. Same the way. shuttle had crash landed on the planet where the men were big and like the ladies that were in charge of the planet were like right as a flip on what was going on with the misogyny and the the patriarchy and everything and they were like losing their minds. And at the end you know, they were gonna kill a dude or whatever. And uh Riker had it's one of like one of my favorite lines that he ever said. I was hoping Steve was going to be right there with it because he has before. I know, and I'm thinking about it. I'm, I am. <laughs> I just had imposter syndrome about the fact that I don't remember this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I pride myself on my TNG expertise, and right now you have you have brought me down a peg, and I now have an incredible amount of self awareness about the. My, fact my that theory I don't is. Know. Go ahead. I don't know everything about TNG. My theory is that Steve's whole TNG expertise is really just a persona. Could be. <laughs> Way better than my persona, which is casual watcher. That's it. That's okay. But at least I caught the reference. It took me a while. Yeah. He's talking yep. Riker, and I'm like, what? <laughs> oh! What? Yeah. <laughs> And so I, I think I agree. Yeah, it's one of those two things. It's it's it feels like both maybe. Definitely yeah. feels like a little bit of a revolution. I was yeah. watching somebody on TikTok and they'd made the comment. They're like uh <clears throat> they grew up in the punk scene and all these different scenes and they're pretty far left. It's pretty funny and uh so she'd come on one day on one of her videos and she's like anybody who has like a left-leaning podcast how do you feel she's talking about men specifically she's like, and this that's not what this is but 
She's like, so how do the males who have like a leftist podcast feel about the woman who um, does the skits about like Veronica and Susan doing more for workers' rights than they ever will? It's like this. It's the funniest stuff that this lady does. They're, I mean, they're all real. Like that's a huge thing on like TikTok too. Is like um, people kind of replaying things that happened to them at their places of work and hers is just like this it's spot on like just dead on and it just keeps going it's hilarious that's bold to replay things that happen at your work i don't know that i could necessarily yeah. do that without a certain amount of the veil they don't use names and stuff i have seen instances where i think like people saw it i have seen at least two instances where people were doing it about their current workplace and somebody saw it and then they got fired for it yeah which it's not like they were doing anything bad they just i don't know the business of they're just being douches yeah i i think all you got to do is offend the right people and it'll get back whether someone that you if you're doing it about work someone who knows you from your past or whatever it'll get back it's just gotta tick off the right people i'm with steve i it's not a good idea i'd need a more of a veil oh that's right the camera's on oh dang it (laughs) no i yeah i don't know i don't know whether it's evolution or revolution either Ethan I don't know for sure I'm just trying to figure out if it's is it something that's it's just something we have to deal with the ebbs and flows or wait a minute this is this is as good as it's going to get in fact it's going to get worse and I don't necessarily care for myself because eventually I'm going to get out of this eventually I feel like I got a lot of gas in the tank yet but um, but my kids they're just starting this you know, um, fortunately, my one has a great employer, enjoys her job, and all shows all the signs of being very good—a very good employer that nurtures employees and builds them up. Great culture. The others think, are not in yet, so they don't know. I think that's what'll happen. Is like these, there will be places that will not, they won't want to. They will only want to hire people like them. And those people are leaving the workforce year over year. And so they will die. Like those places that are toxic and that want to behave, they will go away because no one will go work for them. Yep. Is what will happen. And that's been going on since the dawn of time too, hasn't it? I mean, there's always been improvements in the workplace and and the grass is always greener. And people are, the the one thing that works against companies like that is the, the attitude of the people that are working. You know, our parents' generation, you'd go work someplace and stay there forever. Yep. With our generation, company loyalty, let's be honest, it only exists to an extent, right? I mean, if I feel like I'm being abused, I'm confident enough in my skills that, you know, 401k and investment and stuff like that and seniority be darned, I'm going to go someplace else. Well, that the younger generation, like Gen Z and younger millennials like there is no loyalty yeah. they have watched gen x and and the older millennials like get screwed by there is no reason to be loyal it doesn't benefit right. that's right. what they've seen so yeah they have no loyalty <laughs> yeah well i would i would argue that in certain cases they've seen that you know that's it's not always that way i think there are companies that do legitimately say this is an investment in our future there's just fewer and farther between that they have those right or they'll invest in their future up to a certain level. And then once you hit the glass ceiling, well, now there's nowhere to go and you got to move out to move up if that's what you want to do. I also think that there's more people that are like, maybe aren't as upwardly mobile. Maybe they don't care. You know, do I care if I want to get into leadership? Maybe not. And maybe that's a something where you hit an age where you realize that. I mean, no, that's I had another a taste thing. of it. Didn't like it. Fine, where I'm at. No, that's another thing that, about them too. Is like they don't care. Yeah, it's they've they've seen 
And there's one organization, this is a retail organization, and I think most of them are like this. So there's this really weird, you got your line people, and then you have like the supervisor, like supervisor lead, like middle management. And then you have like your, like your salaried style team lead thing. And then uh, maybe you have like one or two like directors and then the, the store manager or whatever. And in between the line level and that like lead role, there's this unpaid promotion thing that exists that they do. So it's like they take people that they maybe want to promote or in my opinion, they're manipulating them to do more work for no more money. They want to exploit. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's exactly right. So like when one of my kids was having that thing, I'm like, don't do that. I'm like, if they ask you to do more work or they're asking you to do work that's somebody else's responsibility, they have to show you that you're going to get paid for and show you that that's in your job description. <laughs> so it's not only have they figured that out themselves, but they're also being taught to not do that um, because we were burned by it. Yeah. So I think they, they don't care. Like, I think that they're going to be, they don't buy into capitalism as much because they've seen the damage that it can do. Um, so I think that they're going to be much more fiscally responsible than any other generation um, before them. And I don't think they need as much. So their ambitions aren't, they don't, they have, they just haven't seen, and we haven't seen the ROI. And I think they have not seen the ROI on it as well. And that's part of what the great resignation was, is people are like, wow, I'm working really hard and I don't care about this anymore. I care about these other things and I can't do these other things while I'm still here. So I'm going to go do something else that takes up less of my time. I'd be very interested in the statistics on the great resignation because I know it was a big number, but I also know a ton of people that just use it as a career change. I mean, and not even actually a job change, not necessarily a career change. Lateral move someplace else, you know, um, wasn't necessarily the whole deep thinking, I'm going to go get out of the rat race type of thing. I know a lot of people that just Hey, I'm going to go change jobs. Yeah, for sure. I think that was a big part of it. Uh, but I think there were a lot of people that were like reevaluated. I mean, it's everything that works. We talked about quiet quitting and how that's the wrong term and everything. But it's like this all stems from that. It's like people reevaluated their priorities and they're like, well, this isn't a priority. And I haven't seen a return on my investment in time. So I'm going to stop yeah. that and yeah. put my time where I want to be spending it. Assuming they get to a job that they don't have to do the same. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because because I know you're saying, hey, you point back to the job description. If you're like me and have actually read and written job descriptions, they're intentionally vague. And there's a little phrase in there that says, and other duties as requested. You know, that's used in there all the time. Yep. Most job descriptions, in my opinion, are junk. They rarely tell you exactly what you're going to be doing. And they're vague yeah. to, to loop in everything they want you to do anyway. Yeah. But I mean, if you push back, it's interesting because I, you know, um, there's this influx of them trying to manipulate and exploit. And then when you push back and you don't respond to the fear mongering, because that, that's exactly what it is. It's fear mongering. And when you don't respond to that, they don't have because they have no other tools because they're uneducated and how to deal with people and how to lead people or even how to manage people. Let's be fair, like, or supervise. They can't even do that. Um, and so they, it all goes away. <laughs> like, I know of an example where, uh, so the, this is a place where you have to punch a clock. And so the standard operating procedure SOP, for those that don't know, um, anything after six minutes is a violation. And you could be written up for anything after six minutes. But prior to that, you can't, can't be, you cannot be written up for it because it's not a violation. And so this particular person, like, you know, a few times a week, like two or three minutes after the start of their scheduled shift or something. And their like lead person, the person that was above them that actually got paid money was like, if you do it again, I'm going to write you up. And it's like, they did it again and they didn't get written up. <laughs> because they can't get written up for it because it's not a violation. Is that, so that violation thing, because I punched a clock at one point in time, but it's years ago. Who establishes that? Is that 
some universal rule someplace? Or? It's a corporation. So the oh, it's, that's I what's, have that company. Okay. Yeah, that's what's great about oh, like companies yeah. is that they have guide like they have to have guidelines yeah, for all this stuff. Right. So like yeah, their policy is like anything after six is a violation. You can get written up for it. But right. so that means that anything before you can't get written up for it because it's not right. a violation. Right. <laughs> but okay. then you got this dope who's in this role who doesn't even understand how their company works and is trying to fear monger people. And they're like, well, I'm going to write you up because you're two minutes late. Doesn't research the actual bylaws. Yeah. And it's like, well, first of all, I was walking from my car to here. So F off. (laughs) But then, so that happened and then it goes away. There's no more, nothing else is said about it because, you know, they realized that there wasn't anything they could do about it and they got called on it. Yeah, but we're just very topical right now. (laughs) Do you have any other ideas for tonight? I think this is a long topic. I think this is pretty good. We've talked about it before. I have more for the future. (laughs) It depends on on what I need therapy on. Just kick back on the couch and tell you about my life. This is the this is the Durwood couch experience. 